Yes, there's something about the name of Jesus. One day every knee will bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. There's no other name under heaven where men, whereby men can be saved except the name of Jesus Christ. There's power in the name of Christ. He is the creator. He is the savior of this world. And we wish and he hopes that everyone would receive him as their savior. I appreciate Brother McKinney coming up here and sharing. I didn't tell him what to say, but as he's uh, getting excited about starting a church out there and he's helped these people physically, he has all kinds of ministries out there in this, this area, and there's a central point there. Um, but he says for years they needed a, a church, their own church, and uh, to help them spiritually to win people to Christ and help them grow. And uh, I do get tired thinking about it already. I got a lot of things behind me. But uh, just uh, the, the thought of physically going out there and us starting another church and doing that. But I know you guys will help because we're an evangelistic church. I'm so glad that I grew up in a home where Christ was taught to me and I was able to understand right and wrong, what's normal behavior, things taught in the Word of God. But we're living in an age where people don't, don't even understand what normal, healthy behavior is much less knowing that Christ loves them and died for them. Gee whiz, I, 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 wish you, I wish you all could understand the importance of being a church and what we're supposed to be doing as a church. Again, we, we don't go to church, okay? We belong to God. And so, um, so many things I want to say. There's no way I'm going to get through what I want to get through this morning. But take your Bibles and turn to 1 Kings. And 1 Kings chapter 6, and anytime I venture into the Old Testament on a Sunday morning, I get a little scared because a lot of people don't know much about the Bible anymore, so will they even understand what you're talking about? But we have to teach the whole Word of God. If you don't understand what the Word of God is, if, if you don't understand the narrative, the story behind it, you will understand. Last week when we had our friend day, I appreciate all you inviting people to come and all that, uh, you see, I had to put a timeline up there. I always, I'm always driving home creation, always driving home that there was a flood, that Jesus came to the earth. There's a timeline up there this morning, and it emphasizes uh, Solomon because in this text this morning is King Solomon. The average person, if I talked about King Solomon, they go, who are you talking about, you know? Uh, but this is the Old Testament. It begins in Genesis with the creation. Uh, after 1,767 years, it's very detailed, the Bible. It tells who lived, when they lived, and exactly what happened. It is a history book. It's more than a history book, but it's a history book. And you have the flood. It's not on the screen this morning. But right after the flood, you have a man that God calls. His name is Abraham. He calls him to make a special nation out of him, a special nation that the reason we have a Bible this morning, because God used that nation to give us this book right here, that we would know specifically who God is. We know there's a God by looking at creation. I, again, I, I showed you a track last week. It's in here somewhere. Uh, it, it says, is there a God? And it talks about in that track the human body. Come on, gang. If you're a doctor... And you don't believe there's a God after studying the human body. I don't know what to say to you. To say that this is an accident is incredible. 
to look at the, the world around us, the environment, the creation of God, and say all these things are accidents, and see the beauty and the unusual things in creation and how they work together, and you say it's an accident. I don't know what to say. Um, but we, Abraham is called to be the father of this nation. I don't want to get into him. 500 years later, uh, God calls Moses to set up worship. God, here in the, in the book of Exodus, the book of Deuteronomy, God says, this is how I am to be worshipped. In, in Bible study, we're studying the book of Romans, and we're talking about, this morning John was talking about how people worship creatures. And people, even they worship the creation more than the creator because they don't understand this book right here. See, when the, when the absence of the word of God, when there's an absence of Jesus Christ, something moves in to fill that void. And it's always a lie. It's always something that masks who God is and what salvation is. In chapter 6 and verse 1, this is the beginning where Solomon is. It's the beginning of the empire. There are, three, there are 42 kings through the nation of Israel. Solomon is the third. First, there is Saul. His father, David, is probably the most famous, even with people who don't know the Bible. Solomon is his dear son. God has called Solomon to build a temple to him. Throw that up on the screen, if you would, guys. Um, you got verses up there. Give me a temple. Give me a temple. My kingdom for a temple. You can't, again, I, I've asked them to fluctuate these throughout so you understand. I want you to see the timeline. I want you to see this temple, this edifice that he builds. The, the period that we're going to look at this morning is from chapter 6 to chapter 11. No way, no way that you could endure me teaching all that this morning. So again, you have to go home and read this stuff if you want to know the word of God. See, God, he gives these things, he, he, he keeps these things for us. He's recorded them for us for a reason. We have the history of the world in Genesis. We have the history of Israel here at beginning in, in the book of Kings. Put it back up there, guys. What, what is wrong with these guys? They're young men. God bless them, all right? That, that, that image on that screen does not do that temple justice. It took them years and years to build it. Uh, like I said, the doors of that temple right there were as high as these ceilings right here. They spared nothing to build this building to God and to God alone. This is not a place where the people came and worshipped. There were courts where they could gather together to sacrifice to God. But in that holy of holies in there, it, it's neat because I brought my handy-dandy cultures and values book from 40-some years ago when I was in college. And this story that we're reading in 1 Kings this morning is right here in chapter 2. What I'm going to get to in just a minute, as, as Solomon builds this temple, I'm going to work my way till they finish the temple and Solomon stops and prays to the creator of the universe. That's the point I'm going to emphasize. That whole, that whole thing is in this book right here. But as you go and you study at Valencia or UCF and you study this chapter number two about Israel, about their worship and their culture and their values and things like this, it's amazing. You get nothing out of this book, but you can get so much out of this book. I mean, it's verbatim, word for word. What's missing? The, this, this whole book, OK, 
Okay, now you go back to the diagram, okay? All right? This whole process points to the person of Jesus Christ. This whole book is about Jesus Christ redeeming the world from its sins. And people are scared to death of this book or they're too lazy to read this book. I've told you many times, there's nothing in my flesh. I'm going to read the scripture in just a minute. There's nothing in my flesh that desires to read this book. I got a hundred other things I would rather do this morning than to read this book, but the Spirit of God in me makes me want to read this book. And we need the Spirit of God in our lives. In chapter 6 and verse 1, it says this, And it came to pass in the 480th year after the children of Israel were come out of the land of Egypt. That's important. The Bible's so detailed. 480 years after they came out of Egypt, Solomon is getting ready to build this temple. Those numbers line up with history over and over and over again. This is an incredible book, an accurate book. It says, in the fourth year of Solomon's reign over Israel, in the month of Ziph, which is the second month that he began to build the house of the Lord, a place where God could dwell. Incredible. Look at the last verse in that chapter, verse 38. And in the 11th year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, was the house finished throughout all the parts thereof, and according to all the fashion of it, so was he seven years in the building of it. Let's pray. Father, I pray you bless us this morning. And dear, dear God, this is such a detailed passage right here. And we live in an age where people are not interested in your word and the things of you, dear God. I pray for those who have an ear to hear this morning, that they would learn something from your word. And dear, dear God, before this is over, may you speak to our hearts about your calling upon our lives. As we see Solomon and these people worshiping you, dear God, would you rebuke our dear hearts because we and I don't worship you the way you deserve to be worshiped. There is so much darkness in this world. There is so much brokenness in this world because we do not love you and we do not love your word. We do not go to places like Bethlehem and start churches Help people fall in love with who you are and what you have done for them. And they live their lives in agony and suffering and emptiness because of the absence of you in their community and the absence of your word in their community. People don't even know what right and wrong is anymore. Oh, dear God, help us. They don't know what normal is and what's destructive in their lives, dear God. I pray for our church. Because if we do not have a loving, healthy church, how will we ever go and reach other people? May you heal the wounds in our lives. May you take away the complacency to study your word and be a student of you, dear God, that we may be effective in these dark times. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Seven years to build this temple. In chapter 7, flip over to chapter 7 in verse 1. It says here, but Solomon was building his own house 13 years, and he finished all his house. I like that. He built the house of God before he built his own house. A lot of people get things backwards. Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
And all these things, those things he's talking about in the scriptures that Jesus was talking about, our food, our clothing, where we live. He said, I'll take care of that stuff. Seek me first. Do you think all the stuff you have comes from the government? Come on. It's amazing how the world, we're, we're talking about this flu and this coronavirus. It's amazing how the, enti the entire world goes into turmoil over a disease started on the other side of the world. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, we're going to go into hurricane season. It will change people's lives. Would we realize that we are in control of nothing? I can't even control my behavior and the goodness that could come out of my life without God being in my life. Nothing we're in control of. He builds his own house. Look in verse 8. This is an important verse. It may not seem important, but I'll, I'll help you at the end. It says in verse 8, And his house where he dwelt had another court within the porch, which was of the, the, of the like work. Solomon, made, Solomon also made a house for Pharaoh's daughter, whom he had taken to wife like unto his, uh, this porch. So he builds the, this temple to God where he worships God, where the nation worships God, they take sacrifices in there, blood sacrifices, which were a picture of Jesus dying on the cross of Calvary. They're all a picture of the salvation that the world could have through Jesus Christ. Before I go a little bit deeper here, you need to understand this. Jesus said this, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus said he was the only way to God. He was the only one good enough. He was the only one perfect. He's God in the flesh who came to die on a cross to bear your sins and my sins and the sins of the whole world. And the Bible says this, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. There is no other way to be made right with God today except through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. It is received what he did on the cross. It is received by faith. Listen, a thousand years before Christ would be born, through their worship, through their feast days, through their, 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 their temple, we have a picture of Jesus coming into the world. Very vivid and very real image. This building was prepared. If you study this, go home and study this. In chapter 6, verse 7, it talks about how these huge uh, uh, marble, these, these pillars and things that were prepared. They were prepared off-site and then brought there. There was a reason for it. You know, a lot of times we read the Bible and we don't understand why God says to do certain things the way he says to, but he always has a reason at the end of the day. I've told you many a time in my life, there have been little things back in my life that I studied in the Word of God I said, well, you know, that doesn't seem that important. Or what's the big deal about that? And you skirt around those issues because of convenience or whatever. Fast forward 20 years, and you're saying, oh, I wish I'd listened to God. I didn't understand what he was saying to me over there. I didn't see down the road how this would affect my life. And I was disobedient, and now I'm paying, and I'm paying, and I'm paying for it. God's always right, and we're always wrong. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. In my youth, I used to wonder, I used to wonder, 
why do we got to pray? Come on now, think this through with me, gang, okay? Don't think this through. If God's omnipotent, all-powerful, if he is omniscient, he knows all things, then why would I pray when he knows what's in my heart already? Do you know that prayer is about us and not about God? It's about, it's about establishing. As you get older, you get it. Those who pray establish their relationship with God. You know what I'm talking about. Some of you all married, and you, as you walk through the house, you grunt at each other, or whatever. Never sit down and talk about the finances, the situations. Never talk about uh, uh, relationships. Never talk about things that you enjoy. And your relationship begins to diminish. Prayer strengthens our relationship with God. God asks us to come to him as his children and ask and bring petitions. Prayer establishes our relationship. But I thought it through. I'm thinking, well, if God knows everything, why pray? Yeah, there's a reason. There's always a reason. You think about the Old Testament. The Old Testament, they'd bring these little sacrifices, these lambs. Here's a guy who's got 100 lambs. And so I'm just, you want to be a smart guy? Okay, there's 100 lambs. Well, that one's all beat up. It's got an eye missing this or whatever. That's the one I'm going to take to God. I'm not going to take my best breeder. I'm not going to take the healthiest one. That don't make no sense. A lamb's a lamb. God says, you give me the best. You give me the best. Don't we understand that God is the one who provides? The Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Job said, blessed be the name of the Lord. There ain't nobody else controls what we have or what we don't have. God honors a civilization that honors his name. I, as I, I, I watch so much to say this morning. Why, why bring? Because that lamb was a picture of perfect Jesus. That's why. That lamb was a picture of perfect Jesus. Innocent Jesus would die on the cross of Calvary. That's why. There's lots of things that God asks us to do, and we always want to take shortcuts. I don't, again, I don't want to be critical of other churches. We don't do everything right. I've been to churches in this city just to go to church. Y'all get to go to church. I never get to go to church. So I go to other churches every once in a while, and I'll watch the way they do things. I'm thinking of one church where they did the Lord's Supper, and it was just so lax. It was like it wasn't a big deal. You know, flip this open, everybody just gathered in front, walked. There was no time of introspection of our sins towards God, confession. There was no time of worshiping who Jesus is and what he did on the cross. I'm going, this seems so flippant. It seems so casual. It seems so ineffective. I was shocked. God establishes things to help our memories and what he's done for us. They built this temple. It's incredible. He builds the temple. He builds his own home. He builds the, the, the house for the Pharaoh's daughter, his wife. He's got things in order there. Look in chapter 8, and it says in verse 1, I'm skipping through here. I got a little bit of time. You need to go home and fill in the blanks here if you have any interest in the Word of God. I want to challenge you here. Chapter 6 to chapter 11. It says in chapter 8, the, the building, this edifice has been Built. It is incredible. It says in chapter 8 and verse 1, And Solomon 
assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chiefs of the fathers, the children of Israel, unto King Solomon in Jerusalem, that they might bring up the ark. That, was what, that is what which sat in the Holy of Holies. It's where the sacrifice was placed. It says that they might bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is in Zion. In verse 4, it talks about how the priests brought up the ark, and they brought up the ark of the Lord and the tabernacle of the congregation and the holy vessels. They bring it all in, and they set up shop there, and this is where they're going to worship God. It's a big deal. Look a little bit further. It says in verse 6, well, I tell you what, I'm, I'm trying to save time here. Look at verse 10 of chapter 8. And it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord. If you study the Bible, I don't have time, it's called the Shekinah glory of God. It's talking about the presence of God. In, in this book right here, values and cultures, humanities, all these different cultures, starting with the Egyptians and the Israelites, then would go to the Greeks and the Romans and the Babylonians, all, talk about all the different cultures. Almost all of them were polytheistic. They worshiped many gods. Mankind has the desire to worship God because God has planted it in him when he designed him. But people worship all kinds of gods. We're talking about in Sunday school today how man worships the cre crea creation more than the creator. We worship nature. We worship that. We place more emphasis on that than the one who created those things. They were polytheistic. The one thing the book points out and doesn't, that's a very weak job of pointing it out, that they built this incredible temple. Great time to throw the temple up there, guys. Okay. The temple, it was just 30 by 30. It was 30 by 30. And when you went in there, all there was was this Ark of the Covenant where they put the blood of that innocent lamb on the mercy seat, which was a picture of Jesus who's going to die on the cross a thousand years later. And all these other temples that all these, these cultures built, they all these statues and all these images. But you walked in this room, and it was just an empty room. It was the place that God dwelt. That cloud came in. The holy presence of God. The reason they built it off site because this was a special place. This was not to be profaned or treated as common. We live in an age where God is treated as common. He's my buddy. He's the creator. He is our savior. We have demeaned who he is. I know he loves us. I know the Bible teaches that, that he's a friend that sticks closer to the brother. He talks, we, the Bible talks about our relationship with him, but he is who he is. Now I want to look at chapter 8, verse 22. I told you I was going to bring this in culmination to the prayer that Solomon was going to give to God. Can you imagine Israel? There's that temple. They're at their pinnacle of their existence. Their enemies cower from them. God has blessed them richly. But if you go back to Moses, it was on the timeline. You don't have to go there, guys. Moses, he, when he said... He, Here's the tabernacle. Here's the temple, what it looks like. He said, and God says, here's how I want to be worshipped. He said, I'll have no other gods before me. He said, I am a holy and a righteous God. I am a jealous God. 
I have a relationship with you, Israel, and I don't want you, I don't want to share that relationship with anybody else. The Bible says that Israel, after this, slowly began to diminish. They're, they're, they're so great, they made it in the book. Not too many civilizations made it in this book, but Israel did. But it doesn't take but a generation or two, and their whole kingdom is in turmoil. Their whole kingdom is split in half. They're being invaded by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians. Everybody's taking and abusing them. Why? Because they leave their worship of Almighty God. But here, look at this. At the pinnacle, when everything's right in the world for Israel and for Jerusalem, in chapter 8 and verse 22, and Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of the whole congregation of Israel. I mean, the nations there, millions of people, and they're watching the dedication of this building to the creator of the universe. He says, that he goes like this, he goes, and he spread forth his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven above or on earth beneath who keepest covenant and mercy with thy servants that walk before thee with all their heart. You know what God wants from me and you? He wants our heart. He wants our heart. If you're here today and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says in Romans 10.10, for with the heart man believeth unto salvation. Ain't nothing you can do because Jesus already did it on the cross. He suffered for us that we might have forgiveness. All we have to do is by faith receive that forgiveness and call upon his dear name for the forgiveness of our sins. He prays. Look at down in verse 27. He continues. But will God indeed dwell on the earth? But he's praying before all Israel. He's talking to God. He said, behold, the heaven and the heaven of the heavens cannot contain thee, God, how much less this house that I have built it. Boy, he has a right perspective of God, this holy, righteous, omnipotent God who spoke the worlds into existence. He stands before him with absolute humility as he says, this is the temple you told us to build to you. Here's the worship that you have asked us, how you are, how you want to be approached, he says. Look over in verse 41. I like this. You, you ought to like this out in Bithlow, amen? Look at verse 41. As he's, go home and read the prayer, starting in verse 22. In verse 41, he's still praying. He says, moreover, as he prays to God, concerning a stranger that is none of thy people Israel, but cometh out of a far country for thy name's sake. Why are they coming? Because they're hearing about this great God. They have heard and they've seen the power of the armies of Israel. They've seen the wealth and the wisdom. If you know anything about Solomon, when he prayed as a young man to God, he didn't ask for a Mustang. He didn't ask for a pretty girl. He didn't ask for a boatload of cash. He said, God, would you give me wisdom? You remember that, young people. Give me wisdom. He says in verse 42, For they shall hear of thy great name, O God, and of thy strong hand, and of thy stretched out arm, when he shall come and pray towards this house. This house, this temple, 
is where God has placed his name. Verse 43, hear thou in heaven thy dwelling place and do according to all that thy stranger calleth thee to thee, thee for. Look at this, that all the people of the earth may know thy name to fear thee and to do as thy people Israel and that they may know that this house which I have builded is called by thy name. He says that all the people of the earth may know your name. You know, we support missions. This brother said, would you please come and start a church in Bethel so that people might know the name of Christ. That is the purpose of our church. I'm thankful there's so many things in the Bible. It tells us how to love each other and forgive each other and have a healthy relationship with each other. But at the end of the day, like they exalted Christ, that name of God in that temple, we are supposed to exalt the name of God and Christ in our community. Our world, church, is a stinking mess because of the absence of God in our community. I want you to feel the weight that I feel almost every day of my life because there is no hope without the message of this church and the word of God. There is no hope without Christ. And you know what? The Kiwanis Club, there may be a good group, but they ain't pushing Jesus, all right? There's a lot of groups out there, but they ain't pushing Jesus. The only hope for this community and every community is God Almighty to bring back normalcy. Let me give you just a little bit more. I'm getting... Unbutton my coat. You're in trouble, man. All right? Look at verse 59. Will you go home and read this? I don't know. Am I bad if I don't go home and read it, preacher? I don't know. There's been times in my life that I've been very lethargic towards the things of God, very lazy towards the things of God, where I permitted, listen, I'll go to the Y this week, and I'll hoop it up, and I'll smoke some guys. And I'll shake their hand and go, good game, amen. I still, I, I hobble around. I'm competitive. I played golf the other day with some, ain't nothing wrong with that stuff. But when it has preeminence over God's stuff, we in trouble, man. I enjoy life. I enjoy my friends. I enjoy my church family. Look at verse 59. <clears throat> and let these, he's getting close to the end of his prayer. Thank God, preacher, because I'm ready to go home, Amen. Verse 59, and let these, my words, wherewith I have made supplication before the Lord, be nigh unto the Lord our God day and night, that he maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people, Israel, at all times as the, as the matter shall. What is the cause of Israel? What was the cause? What was the purpose of Israel? To lift up the name of God. That's what my purpose is. And I, like you, have gotten off, I've lost focus in my life many times. I've gotten off track chasing other desires of my life instead of the desire of Christ. And every time I've followed Christ, you know what? I find out he always takes care of everything else in my life. He always does. Here we go. Look at verse 60. Evangelistic, missionary-minded, that all the people of the earth may know that the Lord is God and that there is none else. Most of the world don't know that. A big part of Orlando don't even know that. When we leave these doors today, 
How will they know unless you and I tell them? And unless we invite them to the house of God, unless they see God working in our lives and being different, how will they ever, ever know? Let your heart, therefore, be perfect with the Lord our God to walk in his statutes, his commandments, all this day. This is crazy. These people were worshiping God. Look at verse 62 and 63, and I'll stop, okay? I want you to show, I want you to see their commitment. And the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifice before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered unto the Lord. Look at this, two and 20,000 oxen. What's that mean, Pastor? They offered sacrifices of 22,000 oxen to God. Isn't that a little overkill? I don't know. Go over here to the coast and look at them people's yachts and tell me if that's overkill, amen? Go drive through some of these neighborhoods in our community, these gated communities, and tell me if they're where they live is a little overkill. I don't know. It's all, we, we, we can get, be a little crazy about it. Go buy some seats at the arena, the Magic. They're in eighth place, and people pay incredible amounts of money to go down there. Nothing wrong with putting God first, making a big deal out of him. It reads on, it says, and they slew 120,000 sheep. You know what? God's going to just give them some more sheep, amen? We can't ever outgive God. We can't ever work hard enough for God. We can't love people enough. Man, I... I didn't know where I was going with this this morning. In chapter 10, close your Bibles. In chapter 10, God has blessed Israel so much. Read the book. Read this book. Read that book. It doesn't matter. They both say the same thing. It talks about the Queen of Sheba. Come, she said, I've heard all this stuff about Israel, about the wisdom of Solomon, about their riches, about their might, about all their culture and their art. Nah, I don't believe it. I'm going to go. I went and I asked Solomon all these hard questions, and he rattled off the answers. I went around and looked around Israel and Jerusalem and saw the beauty and the people, the peace. What's this? You like this? The peace that the people had in their hearts. Boy, that's left Orlando, ain't it? People run over each other to get where they're going. There ain't no peace. There ain't no love. You know what she said? She said, the half has not been told. She was amazed about a community, about a city, about a nation that was following Almighty God. He's still the same God. He ain't changed one stinking bit. He has the power to bring joy and peace and prosperity to anywhere where his name is placed. He is the creator of all things. He controls all things. He blesses those. So as we're doing what we're doing with our individual lives, as we're trying to, well, this is one of these serious messages, amen? Ain't holding been a whole of smiling and all that stuff. I need to know, I need to have knowledge of God's word. I need to be encouraged in my life. I need to be challenged all the time to focus on the things of God and not waste my life doing other things. It's amazing. I enjoy life while I'm doing it. Amen. I pray for us as a church that we would learn this book and love this book, that we would share Christ with other people and make a difference 
And what the, the word that he used there was the cause of Israel. He was talking about the purpose of them as a people. The purpose of us as a people is to go after people for Christ, to lift up his name. Some of you, many of you are running around looking for happiness, joy, and peace, and all that junk somewhere else. How do you know that, preacher? Because I used to be one of them. Amen? And you ain't never going to find it outside this book right here. God bless your little hearts as we try to walk and serve God together, as we try to fix the problems in our lives. This is the book that has all the answers. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for these people. Dear Lord, not enough time, not enough time to share the things I wanted to share this morning, but I believe you. I believe in your word, and I believe in your spirit behind this word, that you can convict my heart and the heart of these people and challenge us. And dear God, we will never at the end of our lives look back. We will never look back, I know this God, and say we served you too much, and we worshiped you too much, and we loved people too much, dear God. I pray we can look back and say that our cause and our purpose has been real, dear Lord. I pray for me that I would not lose my focus and vision. I pray for the men of this church that they would leave this church and project an image to our young people of what men are supposed to be, people who love God, dear God. I pray you'd help us. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, I want to close in prayer just like I always do. Are you here this morning? Say, Pastor Green, I know that I'm trusting Christ as my Savior. No doubt in my mind. But as the Word of God was being taught and preached this morning, God just sort of touched my heart. He spoke to me about something in my life or something He wants me to do. I don't know. But as we close the service, as always, you say, Pastor, as a brother or a sister in Christ, before we leave this place and we go back out in this dark world, I need your prayers. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you'd like me to pray for you, Christian, would you lift your hand just for a moment? Leave it up just for a moment as I scan the audience. Look at all the hands. God bless you. Put all those hands down. Thank you so much. I just pray. I pray every time that God speaks to our heart, brother or sister in Christ, that we would move on it and not delay and procrastinate when the Spirit of God through His Word speaks to us, I pray that you would move and see what God does in your life. I pray that for you and I pray that for me. Many times in my life I've put off God's calling or working in my life to my own demise. Let me ask one other question before we sing and have a time of decision-making this morning. Are you here this morning and you came to church? And when you walked through the doors of this church, you thought you were all right with God but you realize this morning that you've been putting your faith and your trust in somebody other than Jesus Christ, but you realize this morning that the only way to be right with God, the only way to have your sins forgiven is trusting in what Jesus did on the cross. And you say, Pastor, as you're praying for all these people and their needs, would you remember my need? Because today's the day I want to call upon the name of Jesus, ask him to save me, and to forgive me of all my sins. I want to trust them today. Would you pray for me also, Pastor, as we close the service today? No one looking around, please. If you would like me to pray for, me, for you, would you just lift your hand just for a moment 
And then let me see it so I might pray for you. A hand all the way in the back. God bless you. Thank you so much. A hand right over here. Thank you. God bless you to put those hands down. Another hand over here. God bless you. Thank you for your tender hearts and your sincerity this morning. I don't want to miss anybody. Father, I pray for these people right now. I pray for myself, dear God. Oh, I need your help so desperately. Oh, do I need your help. I thank you for your grace in my life, the times you put up with me. Oh, dear, I know you call us, dear God, to be obedient. May we be obedient to your calling today. I pray for my brothers and sisters. I don't know what the need of their life is, but help them, dear God. You place that burden, that calling upon their lives. May they step out in faith and just do what you ask them to do, dear Lord. May they seek help from a brother or sister if they need help, dear God. But may they be obedient and trust you and believe that you're going to bless their dear lives and use their dear lives. Father, I pray also for a few people who have raised their hands and said, I want to trust Christ as my Savior. Dear God, right where they're sitting, I, I hope that they'll just pray this prayer in their heart. The same prayer that I prayed years ago. Would they say where they're sitting with all faith, say, Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner, but God, I know that you sent Jesus to die in my place for my sins. And God, with all my heart right now, I'm asking Jesus Christ, your son, to forgive me and to save me. Dear Lord, you said in your word, if they'll pray that prayer, and they mean it with all their heart, that you would forgive them of all of their sins. Help them, dear God, with all sincerity to trust you today. Pray you bless this time of singing, this time of decision now. In Jesus' name, amen.